today comes to us first out of Exodus chapter 16. We read verses 2 through 4 and then we'll jump over to Numbers and read Numbers 11, 4 through 6. So hear now the word of the Lord. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then to Numbers. Oh, excuse me. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. Now to numbers. The rabble among them had a strong craving. And the Israelites also wept again and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. <laughs> Friends, this is... Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. We continue our Lenten worship series this morning entitled The God Story. And, and we started our story of God in a fitting place. We started in the beginning. And so after God created humans, God did something revolutionary that gods aren't supposed to do. God spoke to God's creation. And so throughout this story, we have been looking at threads that start with God, that lead to Jesus, that end with us. And thread number one in our story was this. God speaks to God's people because God desires a relationship with us. We looked then after this at the laughable dream God gave Abraham that at the, end, uh, at the age of a hundred, he would become the father of a great nation. We talked about our own dreams, our own stories that will uh, still uh, be hope and, 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 and will eventually be written. We, we looked at the promise that, that God gave Abraham decades before. And God kept God's promise. We considered the promises and the dreams of, of our own hearts from uh, maybe from, from decades before, and we identified thread number two of our story, and that is if God makes a promise, God keeps God's promise. So what we find then in the book of Exodus is the record of a people who were enslaved, who, who then became a people on the run, who then became a people with no home. The Exodus story is, is, is a transition story. It is, it is a deliverance story. It's a story of independence. 
Exodus is, if the Bible is, is one grand story, Exodus is the rising action. The rising action. You remember those elements from middle school English? Here is the basic definition of the rising action. It is the basic, is when the basic conflict is complicated by the introduction of secondary conflicts, including various obstacles that frustrate the protagonist's attempt to reach his or her goal. There will be an exam following the end of this message. In our story, the, the basic conflict is the people, uh, the conflict of the people being separated from God, which started in the garden, and it, it goes throughout the God story. It continues today. And in Exodus, it is now complicated by the introduction of many other secondary conflicts, secondary conflicts like, like slavery in Egypt, like hunger, like exhaustion from the wilderness. These further complicate the already growing issue of a nation of people trying to stay connected with God. So, God radically saves the people from slavery. Using a boy who was almost killed as a baby and who could barely speak properly and then had to flee his home country because he murdered someone. God used a guy who was scared of public speaking. That's not me. But he used the guy who was actually scared of public speaking. And he became one of the most synonymous names in the history of mankind. His name is Moses. Moses leads the people out of Egypt even as they are chased by an angry Egyptian army. They can hear the clamoring of hooves as they reach a dead end at the Red Sea. And what does God do? God parts the Red Sea and leads them through. <clears throat> then they find themselves in the desert, wandering around aimlessly, starving and tired and exhausted. And that is where we find them today, facing secondary conflicts. Somebody rings out from the back, Hey! Remember when we were in Egypt? Another says, yeah, we had meat to eat back there. Another said, yeah, and cucumbers. And someone makes the preposterous suggestion. Maybe we should just go back. Maybe we should just go back. Last week, we talked about the dreams uh, God has for us and the important work of, of recovering or, or, or uncovering some of those dreams and, and living into those dreams. The, the warning from the scripture today is this. There will come moments when we are headed towards our dreams that we will be tempted to go back. There are moments when we are heading 
towards our dreams that we will be tempted to turn around and to backtrack. Let me tell you a brief story. There, there was a man, uh, and this is not me, by the way, although it, it would fit. There was a man who took his two-year-old daughter to a food and entertainment chain that caters to children. I won't name it. The, the time that he had taken her there previously, there were 10,000 other kids experiencing sugar highs, sensory overload, and, 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 and after she had been scared for the hundredth time by a person dressed up as an animal, and, and after he had spent more than a reasonable amount of money playing games to just get a few measly tickets to exchange them just for a prize worth quarters, he promised without exception to never return there again. Can I get a witness? <laughs> well, you know how that turned out, right? <laughs> it wasn't long before he found himself taking her back there again. <clears throat> Folks, it is an uneasy feeling to go back to where you promised you wouldn't return. Hello? <clears throat> It is an uneasy feeling to go back to where you promised that you would not return. The people of God who have been delivered from slavery, they had been given water in the desert and manna, bread from heaven, and said, the heck, let's just go back. Let's just, let's just go back. At first, Moses wouldn't allow it. He wouldn't even allow the conversation about it. He wouldn't stand for it. But their constant grumbling and complaining and seeking other things led to all kinds of hardships for them. In fact, it led to a longer time in the desert. They spent so much time looking back, they forgot to look forward. Hello? What they didn't see, though, was that God would give them all that they needed for the journey. God was already giving them what they needed, and they were complaining about it. This is a thread, folks, that we see throughout all of the God stories. This is the thread for today. This is the bottom line for today. When we are heading in the direction that God has for us, God will provide all that we need for the journey. That is a testimony that I'm sure many of you can make because you've lived it. I've been there, I've lived it, and I can also testify to that. When we are doing the work of God, when we are going in the direction that God has pointed us, God will provide all that we need for the journey. You know, we, we have to take the story of the Israelites seriously because some of, some of the secondary conflict that they're experiencing, some of the various obstacles uh, in our lives can uh, lead us into believing a lie. The lie is that life in slavery is better than a life following God. And you might as well just go back. That is an outright lie. When we start listening to that voice is when we start getting ourselves in trouble. So, what can we learn from the Israelites' experience here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's the first thing. We have to be able to recognize when we are in times of transition. We have to be able to recognize when we are in a time of transition. If you find yourself always thinking 
uh, about the next job or, or thinking, what does God really want from me and from my life? If you find yourself in the chapter thinking, this is not where I thought I would be. If you find yourself hoping that the next page of your story would turn quickly. Which can be a chapter of deliverance or it can be a chapter of further obstacles, right? In these times, it's easy for things to be, to be moving so quickly, so fast, that you, can't, you feel like you can't get a, a handle, you can't, you can't get a grip on things. Have you been there? You become distracted. <laughs> we become exhausted. And these are the times that we are the most vulnerable. Vulnerable to turn around. Vulnerable to go back. Vulnerable to turn away from God. And what God really wants for our lives. <clears throat> Surely the Israelites, if they really thought long and hard about it, they wouldn't really have preferred going back to slavery in Egypt. They didn't really want this. It was a place where they were in chain, where they were beaten, working in abusive and impossible situations. Life in the desert, in transition, goes by quickly. It is, it is disoriented and we don't have time to stop to realize where we really are and where we are really going. We can become distracted by the things that annoy us or frustrate us or things that promise quick relief and we become exhausted, which leads to complaining, which leads to grumbling, which leads to unhealthy desires, which leads to desires which want to turn around and go back. However, the, the transition time, the, the rising action, if you will, is in many ways the best part of the story. Stay with me now. It is here that we really learn the true depth of our character. It is where the true depth of character is formed. Listen to Romans 5, 1 through 4. Romans 5, 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces Character produces hope. Folks, this is what defines us. This is where our definition is. The Hebrew people would, would retell this part of the story over and over and over again to remind them of what they went through, to remind them that God took care of them, and to remind us that God 
will still take care of us today. There is nothing, no nothing, no nothing that this world can throw at us that God cannot get us through. You know, here in America, we, we retell our independence story again and again. Every year, if not more often than that, to remind us of who we are. To remind us, and we, we tell stories, personal testimonies in our lives. Times where God took care of us, where God gave us a hope for the future. We tell the stories so that we don't go backwards. And so, uh, if you are in transition in a place right now, you, you may have seen glimpses of where God might lead you. Don't give up, sisters and brothers, when you start feeling tired and start desiring meat and cucumbers. Because God will give us all that we need for this journey. Believe that. Trust that. Live into God will provide. So sometimes we need some, some type of sign, something from God to, to just let us know, God, remind me that you're still there. <laughs> right? How many of us pray that prayer? The, the, the people who were hounding Jesus were, were asking him for some type of sign, something to hold on to. They said, our fathers ate manna in the desert. God gave them bread from heaven. What do we get? Nothing. You're talking about a kingdom to come. We don't have anything. <laughs> but in John chapter 6, Jesus says, oh, but you do. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If anyone has me, they have all that they need for the journey. If we just have Jesus. You know, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to anyway. God will provide is probably one of the reasons why I'm here today. And my, my grandfather, I probably shared, you know, the story. My grandfather pastored churches in the Church of the Nazarene for many, many years. And my mother was born a PK, and I'm a PGK, a preacher's grandkid, and proud of it. But there were times that, that, that they went through things where they didn't know if they were going to get through. I, I remember both of them telling me the stories. In fact, my grandmother wrote a book. She didn't really publish it. It's just within the family, but it's entitled My Adventures as a Preacher's Wife. <laughs> if you ever want to read it, let me know. But there's a story, and, and, and it's one of, it, it became more of a verbal story. I don't think it's one written in her book. And, and it's probably been added to, and I probably changed it to make it sound better for this example, but you're going to get it anyway. Because it happened a little bit at least like this. So my mom was one of five kids, and um, 
a lot of times uh, pastor salaries back then weren't what they were today. <laughs> Grandpa would share, share with me his first salary at the first church he served in the state of Washington was a chicken on the door a week and a quarter if they got it in the plate. He said there was always that chicken on that door. <laughs> they didn't always get the pork. But, but later, later on in life, they, they, they were going through a particularly tough time and, and, and they needed to feed my mom and her siblings, and so Grandpa took Grandma and said, let's go to the store, let's get exactly what we need and nothing more. And Grandma said, how are we going to pay for it? You know what Grandpa said? God will provide. So they go to the store, and, and they get exactly what they need, and, and it came to an exact amount, and, and again, I don't remember the full details, but you'll get the point in a second. It came to something like $4.88, and, and and, and they were on their way to the cash register, and, and Grandma tells the story, I just, I prayed as I pushed that cart all the way from the back of the store. We walked as slowly as we could. She said, I just prayed the whole way, oh Lord, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to be able to get this? And, and, and they're on their way to the register, and, and she spots something on the floor, kind of, that had just fallen underneath, and she bends down to pick it up, and it's a five-dollar sitting God will provide was all that she could say don't tell me God doesn't provide because God is a judge and whenever we do God's work God will provide all that we need for this journey this is the gospel message we find Jesus in the rising action and he is exactly what we need on this journey called life. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is Beneath the Cross of Jesus. <laughs> Where better to go? Than when we need to feel Christ the most, than on our knees at the cross. Whatever you need in this moment, in this day, I invite you to use it. Maybe, maybe you need to be on your knees before Jesus, before God at the altars. The, 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 prayer, the altars of prayer are always open and you're always invited to use, to use them to come as you need. Maybe you just need to pour out your heart to God and say, Father, I don't want to go back. Just want to go forward in your in your name and in trust of you. Maybe that's that's your prayer today. May, maybe you're saying, Lord, I, I I just I want to know what it's like to live for you. And I've never done that. I've never made that proclamation. Maybe maybe you just need to utter the words, Jesus, I want to I, I want to love you because you first love me. Come into my heart and live in me despite myself. That's a life-changing prayer. Maybe that's you. May, maybe you've been visiting and here for you know, a few weeks and said that this is the place where, where God is calling me and, and, and my family in this time of my life. I want to become a member of this family of God. Maybe that's you too. Let's have a conversation. But whatever you need in this moment, use it. We're going to turn to page 297 in the United Methodist Hymnal. And the words are also on the screen in front. Let's stand together as we prepare to go forward this day. And we do so by singing Beneath the Cross of Jesus.